Hey everyone, it's Jerry at the Fledge, he, him pronouns. Um, welcome to another episode of Every Damn Day. Today on the show, I've got my friend from Detroit. Kai, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Jerry. You're welcome. I'm, I'm really super happy to have you. One, because uh, what I can learn about your business online, it's very interesting. And uh, I'm excited to learn a lot more because I think you've got uh, some details to fill in for me from what I was able to pick up so far. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you're, uh, you're in Detroit. Is that uh, where you're from um, or where you're based? Well, I'm actually based uh, in Ann Arbor and I'm originally from China and I came to US for grad school. And I went to University of Michigan and graduated about one year ago and have been working for a local startup in Ann Arbor for about a year and a half now. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I, uh, I was trying to like kind of see when you uh, went to U of M. Uh, mm -hmm. Most people, because I'm from Lansing, they think I went to Michigan State or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I'm a U yeah. of M grad from 1988. So. Wow. 30 years before you, I guess. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, I, I yeah, I graduated 2019 last year. Okay. And well, congratulations. What was your degree in? Uh, I was a master in electrical and computer engineering. And is that what you what role you're in at your company? I, I'm currently doing data science at Shop Intelligence. Okay. Um, you want to tell us tell us anything you want about you and about your project or your company your startup yeah sure um so i have been always interested in entrepreneurship and during back the time when i was in undergrad and then when i was in the grad program here at university of michigan i had the really great opportunity to participate in their entrepreneurship program and from from that program, we were we were exposed to the opportunity to work with um, other uh, local, either local startups or lo local startup incubators like uh, Economic Development Institute of uh, University of Michigan. And at that time, I really furthered my interest in becoming an uh, an entrepreneur and that's why after graduation i choose to work at a local startup and it has been a really great experience because as a startup there are like uh, significantly less employees in your organization and we all work in a like a number spark which is a co-working space and incubator for all those startups and i have the experience i have the chance to talk to a lot of other uh, startup CEOs and founders to hear their story about how they get started and what they're doing and learn all those resources and opportunities that's available in the Metro Detroit area for anyone who wants to start their own business. And uh, this year, September or earlier this year, like March, I had an idea of uh, uh, applying uh, data science and artificial intelligence to the fashion industry because 
like I have been reading the news for a really long time. And back when I was like in undergrad, I knew that in fashion industry, there is a huge problem that has been plaguing the industry for years, which is like overproduction. And to put a number on that, there are like every year 19 billion of unsold items that were in the whole industry. And all those retailers and manufacturers, they have no other ways to deal with those excessive production. They have to send them to landfill, which is a excessive waste for the resource and money for the society as a whole from like my opinion. And I feel like there gotta be a better way for us to deal with that. And then I come up, come up with the idea of unbiased, which is to use data science and artificial intelligence to analyze all the data that the purchasing data of all the consumers to understand what their preferences are. And so that when the retailers uh, buying department are making buying decisions, they can use that piece of information as input and help them to reduce the likelihood of their products not being purchased at the end of the season. And that's the whole like uh, gist of the idea. And then from that end, I started to participate more actively in the local like fashion and tech industry. And this September, I formed a team of five with some other friends I know. And we participated in the Detroit Fashion and Tech Hackathon. And we won the first place and that in that hackathon, we were offered a problem statement from Detroit Denim Co, which is a local denim company. And they are known for their like tailored and customer, uh, customer-made uh, fit for their customers. And they have been around for 10 or 15 years. And they also feel the pain of uh, overproduction in their own product production line. They are like a combination of manufacturer and retailer. So they were asking us how can they, um, well, they, they have their own approach, which is trans tra transition from made to stock to made to order business model. So these are two models are fundamentally different based on their, like uh, how they operate. So traditionally all retailers and and manufacturers who run their business by made to order, made to stock, which is they don't know what is the demand on the market and they just make speculations or come up with numbers that they saw that would meet the market demand. And oftentimes those numbers are way higher than the actual amount of sales. And that's how the Detroit Denim Coal found their, themselves end up with a lot of like uh, uh, stocks that no one wants to purchase. That's why they wanted to transition to make made to other model, which works like uh, they only produce products when there is order from a customer. So in that in that hackathon, we were asked to design a workflow of how they can bring the um, bring the their customer um, their customer sized experience of uh, of the jeans, uh, jeans from made to uh, to deliver in the digitalized form, and we provided this prototype, which allows a customer to uh, make uh, to choose different dimensions and, and 
to, to choose different values that's available for, for pure jeans. For example, how they want their zipper to look like, what is your uh, body shape, is it slim or is it uh, curvy? And they can also choose their color and fabric and stuff like that. And after they place order, they we allow our prototype was designed to allow the customers to to have a real time tracking of the jeans um, production process. So, for example, when your jeans are um, are uh, cut from a raw material, you can get a notification either through. A, message or email letting you know that, oh, your pair of jeans is in the production phase of cutting. And then the next phase is to put the front panel and back panel together. And then at the end, we identified the three crit critical steps. And the final step is to uh, show, take a video or a picture of how the final products look like before the jeans are finally delivered to the customer's address. That is, uh, that's super interesting. I've got a hundred questions to ask you about <laughs> what you just, it, it's, I'm, I mean, I want to talk about Ann Arbor Spark. I want to talk about the pandemic and COVID-19. I want to talk about so many things, but I'm really interested. What, like, what's your passion here? Why are you, you know, most people are in love with some problem that they want to solve. Is it waste? Is it, what's, what's your passion? My passion is really just applying data science, to, like because I'm coming from that background to the fashion industry to see how these technologies can help the fashion industry move faster and be more sustainable. That's like my real passion here. Yeah. Why the fashion industry? Why not uh, water bottles or something like that? I because I like fashion and I'm a, like a very I might be. Uh, I, I'm really uh, into like buying pretty clothes and uh, I would not say I'm a shopaholic because I don't have enough money to support that hobby. <laughs> but, but if I if I have more money, I would definitely buy a lot more stuff. Uh, and uh, I just like fashion. It's uh, attracting to me. I like to uh, watch the fashion shows and follow fashion news and and i i wanted to be part of it and to see how my background and, and knowledge can help the industry be more sustainable like when i read the news or researching online about how how polluted and how 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 bad the waste is it just hurts me and i i i figured there should be better ways to do it so uh, I love the problem that you're solving. Um, I love that you're you're tying together data science. Um, that's my degree too. I don't know mm -hmm. if you knew that. Um, back at, in the '80s, we just called it statistics. But yes, um, I do know that. <laughs> um, but I love what you're doing. We're, we we kind of see the back end of that. So. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say something. Uh, the problem's even worse, right? Because even so, you were just talking about what doesn't get sold and what has to go to the landfill. Yes. I've got a I've got a clothing pantry, and I get clothing donations all of the time. Mm -hmm. And so many of the clothes that I get are like really 
expensive clothing, they still mm -hmm. have the tags on them. Right. The people never even wore them after they bought them. Mm -hmm. So even a post consumer or post purchase, yeah. um, the problems there as well. And it, it really, to see the amount of clothing that gets wasted from that perspective, and then to imagine you know, it just going into landfills. I, I love the problem that you're working on. And I'm really happy that we get to talk to you on uh, every damn day today. Thank you. Um, yeah. So Ann Arbor Spark, what happened during COVID? Did they, you, you know, their shared space, their incubator, how did that kind of work? Did they, did they shut down? Did you have yeah, to go virtual? Yeah, sure. I'd like to talk about that too. I remember it was back uh, late February, there is some like uh, late February or late March, I don't remember exactly, but there are like a couple cases identified in Washtenaw County, which is where Anabar is at. And then uh, my boss and CEO, Laura, uh, I'm really glad she responded really uh, rapidly. So she pulled all of us together to talk about what we wanted to um, move forward as a team because safety is definitely the first priority and concern for all of us. And at that time, I don't think everyone has the, like, the, the, the amount of knowledge we have right now about how the disease or the virus spread. And and there was a while uh, I was working from home prior to the Spark building was closed. And I believe they closed uh, either early April or late March so that everyone, when everyone comes in, they have to uh, go through a training program to understand how to follow the, the, uh, the protocols where you have to wear a mask or wash your hands and all the and also all the amenities like coffee machine and snack bar are all closed for the purpose of uh, reducing this possibility of spread. And then it has been closed like since that time. And now I believe when the last time I was back there was to use a printer to print some documents and the whole building was still under shutdown and there was only one person from that person working there to receive mouse and we're yeah we have been all working from home since that mm -hmm. so uh is does that work out for you guys though i mean you're a tech company it's virtual yes. it's yeah yeah actually even before the pandemic our team um i would say 30 percent of our team are remote they are uh located in california so and then after the pandemic, uh, we actually onboarded uh, one more employee. And now it's like half, half, our, half of our company's employees are uh, in California and the other half are in Michigan. So remote working has like, has been, it's not something like new or challenging for us. Yeah. Okay. Um, so man, there's so many paths I want to go down. I think <laughs> about, you know, NPR, they had a show or an episode of one of their shows where they followed a t-shirt mm -hmm. through the, 
the entire supply chain from the the sourcing or the the growing and the manufacturing or picking of the cotton wow. all the way to um kind of the story of that t-shirt did you ever see that oh uh, i have not seen that no okay because i you know the way you were describing that with the pair of jeans okay. it just is interesting to me and i don't I hope this is okay. You know, when you order a pizza from Domino's and they got yes. the pizza tracker, it's a uh -huh. lot. Yeah, it just seems fascinating to me. Yeah. Other people told me something similar. Like, isn't this similar to like a Domino's pizza tracking? I responded, I believe so. Like uh, everything is moving online. Like there is all the retail stores are closed. What do you expect? Everything has to go online. And it's, but it's, I, I think it's super cool. I mean, whoever was working on the jeans, you could also, you could almost have a story with them and the yeah. interaction with the gene, it gets so personal. Mm -hmm. And also study actually find that when, when a brand offers that type of experience, it deepens relationship between the customer and the brand and they become more loyal and more, more like a, uh, associated with a brand, it builds the trust and recognition. Well, so many people spend just millions of dollars building their brand. Mm -hmm. And with what you're doing, the brand kind of happened. You're recording, you're not creating, you're not doing a fake, non authentic. You know, it's I'm I help me make these jeans almost. You know, I'm in I'm in the kitchen with the pizza, I'm in the 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 room with the cutters or whatever exactly. i see i yeah. see how this uh i would be super loyal to this company if i mm -hmm. felt like that you know like i was part of it yeah. and it's so authentic it is what it is it's this is what's happening mm -hmm. i love it i love it a lot um okay i'm gonna i'm gonna loop back to a couple other things i want to talk about but um i'm gonna ask you first What's something you do every damn day to kind of push your mission forward, to push the needle forward in what you're trying to do? Yes, I'm, um, I have to be honest, like from the inception of this idea in March, I wasn't like as devoted as I was um, uh, as the past two months. Um, I would just say like what I've been doing for the past two months, Mm, what I do every day that um, I believe is helping my um, business moving forward is first uh, reading. Um, I have a couple of uh, books that are recommended by previous entrepreneurs that I have talked to. They recommend me to read those books. One is uh, about sales. I know like for any startup founder or entrepreneur is the first thing they have to learn is how to sell, sell your ideas, sell your product, sell your, sell to customers and sell it to investors. That's, that's a really important thing you have to do, uh, have to, have to be really good at. And that book was called strategic selling. It's actually recommended by my boss, Laura. And I also, and she's also my mentor. And that's one book I've been reading. And the other things I've been doing is really uh, follow some of the uh, resources that's available online, like uh, 
uh, Techstar Toolkit. That's a really good resource for anyone who wants to start their own business. There are like stages and and tutorials and worksheets that you can work on to uh, build your business model canvas, to build your elevator pitch, to build your team, and to build your product, and every aspect that you can imagine that have to come into place in order to make your uh, company or idea successful. Are those uh, Techstar toolkits uh, free? Or do you yes. have to have a, yeah? Oh, nice. Yeah, they're, they're 100% free. And sales. I uh, I love yeah. the way you said that because a lot of times they uh, when when people hear sales they think you know me selling something to a person and I'm going to get money for what I sell but you really put it you know as kind of the pitch the presentation the mm -hmm. um you know it's it's not just the sale to the customer it's also the sale to the investor it's a sale to employees it's a sale that, to that's right. suppliers right yeah. so uh very good. I'm going to look that up. So, uh, man, I, there's so many things I want to ask you. We got to keep moving though. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Okay. Yesterday on the show, we had, uh, a woman named Tisha King. She mm -hmm. owns a company called thrift, Witch. she actually mm -hmm. is on the another side of fashion because she goes and thrifts, she'll buy clothes and then resell the clothes. Sometimes they're upcycled. Sometimes they're just going from one, you know, state in the supply chain to another. Mm -hmm. um, and she has a question for you. And her question was, what's your favorite pop icon? Uh, honestly, I don't really follow pop culture that much. Um, I would say if I have to choose a pop icon, I would say Blackpink. They're like uh, a four uh, young woman uh, sing singing and dancing team. I really like them because of their music and their dancing. And they're also very pretty. <laughs> and then for, for in a border uh, sense, my icon would be uh, Elon Musk. Because uh, he's uh, he's uh, like the man and doing things beyond my imagination. Like I'm just very impressed of all the things he's he has accomplished and he he's currently doing. Yeah. Um, black pink. Well, I'm gonna just talk a little bit. Black pink. I've never heard of. Mm -hmm. um, so this is good for me because I. I'm like you. I have no. I don't even know what a pop pop culture or pop icon would even be. I don't know. I wouldn't know how to answer that question if I was asked that question. Okay. Um, so yeah, thanks for doing that. Um, and then uh, the Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. uh, people get mixed about him, right? Oh. There's you either love him or you hate him. Uh, what do you say to the haters? Do you know why people hate him that much? I I actually don't know. Or, uh, what were they because uh, they think he's too capitalist and he's trying to reopen the factories as a sake it, of other people's benefit? <laughs> I don't know. I think part of it's that. I mean, part okay. of it's just how do you get to be a billionaire without kind of being a 
bastard, if you don't mind me saying that. Mm. Um, you know, so I think some of it's, you know, you've got billions and billions of dollars. You're getting more and more wealthy during the pandemic. Yet, you know, you could end homelessness for veterans if you wanted to just with a small percentage of your money. Why don't mm -hmm. you do that? You know, so but, you know, he's also trying to get us to Mars. He's doing great things yeah. with Tesla <laughs> and uh, the you know, we built uh, Tesla's power wall after their their model. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are great things, but it's uh, it's so tough to I don't know. It's easier yeah. to pick on Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yeah, I can. I think people have uh, opinions about him. Yeah, like it's easier to pick on Jeff Bezos, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who is also contributing to the fast fashion problem um, mm -hmm. with Amazon and all of that as well. I don't want to mess up any of your future big sales with Amazon, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Amazon um, definitely got the same problem, too. Yeah. So uh, tomorrow on the show, uh, we have uh, Zach, uh, uh, who runs the uh, Capital Pro Wrestling. So mm -hmm. big time wrestling. We talked a little bit. You're not sure you have seen that before. No, uh, I, I, I don't think I have ever seen that. <laughs> and the WWE said that China was their fastest growing market. I um, do know WWE. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, the WWE. yeah, I, I know that. Oh, okay. Um, so that's what he does, and he does it in uh, mid-Michigan, and, you know, I think he gets down to Indiana and Illinois and stuff like that. So kind of a regional uh, wrestling platform. Mm -hmm. uh, what what question would you like to ask Zach? Yeah, I, I guess my question would be, uh, were you ever afraid when you were on stage and you were forced to fight another human being? And if you were, how 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 did you deal with your fear? I uh, I really like that question because um, there's people that are going to be like they haven't um, they don't understand the pro wrestling and they uh, you know they'll they'll. Uh, say, oh, that's just fake. And why would he be afraid of anything? Everything is very uh, theatrical and it's really, you know, there's no nothing to be afraid of. Mm -hmm. Yet, if you really saw this live or you were behind the scenes, like uh, I get to be sometimes, these guys get hurt. It is, it's- I, I have it's seen not people blood, yeah. bleed, yeah. Yeah, um, so it's not necessarily a battle where they're really trying to hurt each other, but to get falling, you know, 10 feet, 15 feet onto your back is going to hurt no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, so I really like that question. Cause I think the answer is probably going to be that he does uh, <laughs> feel that fear uh, mm -hmm. quite a bit. So I also have to ask you that same question, but since you've never, I don't think you've wrestled like that before. No, right? no. I, I believe most people avoid confrontation to <laughs> the, to, to whatever degree, like even like verbal confrontation, most people might try to avoid it, not let alone like physical ones. 
Yeah, unless they're arguing politics on uh, Facebook, though, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what about fears that you have with your project and what you're doing? Uh, okay. Do you ever face fears? Yes, I do. I, like, my biggest fear is that I end up working a 9 to 5 job when I'm when I'm 30 or 40. <laughs> yeah, that's my biggest fear and I I constantly live with it and I have to find a way to 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 make sure that the type of life doesn't happen to me. Mm, because that's just not what I wanted. I wanted to wanted to, to have something of my own. And have the freedom and autonomy to control what I do and how do I want to distribute my time and effort. I I love that answer. I love that fear actually because uh, you know a lot of entrepreneurs they might say that their biggest fear is that they're going to fail or that they're going to um, I don't know make some big mistake with other people. You know if you've got employees and all of that. If you, you, that becomes an obligation that you have to keep yeah. things uh, uh, stable and sustainable and all of that. But I love your fear because it's so it's such an entrepreneurial fear that I don't want to do that grind. I don't want to, you know, I'm, my fear is always I'm going to wake up, I'm 90 years old, I'm on my deathbed, and all I did was work for other people and I've never yeah. really worked for other people. So that's not really my fear, but <laughs> it was my fear. So, um, yeah, I like it a lot. Hey, uh, let me do a, l a little business and then I'm going to come back to you in a second. And my business okay. is, um, a couple of things. One is, um, Every Damn Day airs every damn day at 2 p.m. So subscribe to our YouTube channel. Get in touch with that. Uh, 99 Problems, But a Pitch Ain't One happens today at 3. So that's coming up in 30 minutes. And um, 10,000 Fledges airs every Tuesday at 3 p.m. So check all of those out on our YouTube channel. Um 10,000 fledges every or 99 problems. They will also go live on uh, Periscope on Twitter and Facebook. So I'm coming back to you, Kai. What's something you would like to take us out with? Something, some advice, some questions, some comment. It can just mm -hmm. be peace if you want. <laughs> I think what you're doing is great. And, um, yeah, I don't really have any advice for you. The only one I would say that keep on doing this. <laughs> well, we think what you're doing is great, too. Um, it's one of our core values to protect the environment. And I think that's a big part of what you're doing. Um, I also think that it's, you know, there's a lot of fair trade type things. There's a lot of uh, what's happening with the labor force in some of these manufacturing environments. And I think you're solving a lot of really good world problems that could have an impact on many, many people. Um, you know, something I saw on your Facebook page was, mm -hmm. what is it? What makes me happy? Is oh, that yeah. what you wrote? Yeah, I wrote that. <laughs> You know, that's our mission is to create opportunity to pursue happiness. Mm -hmm. And what makes you happy? Let's go out with that. I would say work on the things I love to do 
and be with people I love to be with. That makes me happy. I, I can't even say anything more than that. We're leaving <laughs> on that statement right there. Perfect. Thank you so much, Kai. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this.